Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Welcome to episode 16 of On the Way. This is our eighth episode in the book of Hebrews. Today we're studying Hebrews chapter 8. This chapter is somewhat of a culmination chapter. Everything we've read so far has brought us to this powerful chapter, and it starts with this. Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. When we look through the list of furniture that God instructed the Jews to put in the temple, there's one item that is conspicuously missing, a chair. Day after day, hour after hour, the priests offered sacrifices to God, but they couldn't sit down. There was more work to be done. When the author of Hebrews emphasizes the fact that Jesus is sitting down at God's right hand, he's emphasizing the fact that Jesus' work is done. There is nothing left to do. He sat down. One sacrifice for all sins, for all history. Yet while he sits, he ministers. From his throne, he gave hope and peace, healing and deliverance. Verse 2, there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. The human place of worship, the temple, was built by human hands, but Jesus established a new temple when he made us temples by making us holy. The temple sacrificial system was a shadow, a metaphor that was meant to teach us about the need for Jesus's sacrifice. Jump forward to verse 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on a better promise. Jesus' covenant is far better than the Jewish covenant. A lot of people are very uncomfortable with this verse. They skim it quickly or, or try to argue it away. But you can't just skip this verse because this idea is all through the book of Hebrews. I grew up thinking there's two covenants. The old covenant that saves the Jews and the new covenant that saves the Christians. But you can't read Hebrews and come to that conclusion. There isn't two ways to be saved. Jews cannot be saved by observing the Jewish covenant. The Jewish covenant was replaced with the Jesus covenant. Hebrews 8, 7 says, If the first covenant has been, had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. It says it's been replaced with a better covenant. So what is the new covenant? Verse 10 tells us, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on the day says on that day says the Lord I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people So the new covenant is possible because of Christ's sacrifice Even though animal sacrifice never made anybody holy Christ's sacrifice the perfect sacrifice actually made us holy in fact, it made us so holy that the Holy Spirit can actually live in us. We are the temple of the new covenant. 
So the destruction of that temple in AD 70 in Jerusalem means nothing to Christians. We don't mourn the destruction of a building because the building was already replaced. Jews mourn at the Western Wall, longing for the day when they can rebuild the Jerusalem temple and resume animal sacrifice on the Temple Mount, but we know better. That would now be a horrific tragedy. Jesus made one perfect sacrifice that put an end to the old sacrificial system. The repetition of animal sacrifice was necessary because animal sacrifice doesn't erase sin. So you have to repeat over and over again. But Jesus says in verse 12, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Never again. A lot of us live in in fear of a moment when we will be standing before God and listening to a long list of all the sins that we've ever committed. And that idea is that Jesus' sacrifice simply covers up our sins. The sins are still there, but God turns the other way rather than punish us for them. But that is not the new covenant. That's the old covenant. Under the new covenant, our sins are erased. We are actually made holy, completely holy. Jesus will never remember our sins again. And that's a powerful statement. It's one thing to say that your sins are forgiven, but when I forgive someone for betraying me, it's really hard to forget. I still remember that they betrayed me. I might forgive them, but I'm going to be pretty hesitant the next time they want me to trust them. But this verse tells us that Jesus does more than forgive. He chooses to forget. When he interacts in relationship with us, he acts as if we have never done anything to harm that relationship. Thank you, Lord. God, I am sorry for how I've sinned against you. I am sorry that I fall short of the perfect standard that you established. And I am overwhelmingly thankful for your grace. Thank you for making me holy, for making me the temple of Holy Spirit. And here's the climax verse, Hebrews 8, 13. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. When you get a new cell phone, what do you call the cell phone that you had before? You call it your old phone. It's been replaced. It's obsolete. It doesn't even connect to the Verizon towers anymore. So the old law is now out of date, obsolete. But what does it mean that it will soon disappear? Well, The book of Hebrews was probably written in the early to mid-60s A.D. The Jerusalem temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. The disappearance of the old covenant was a literal disappearance. As in the infrastructure that made the old covenant possible was gone. It doesn't say that the Old Testament isn't valuable or that it wasn't inspired by God. But we can't apply it to the church like we apply the New Testament. We should learn from the Old Testament. It was inspired by God, but he didn't write it to us. He wrote it to specific people and a specific time in history. I can learn a lot about my wife by reading things that she wrote in love notes to a past boyfriend, but I can't assume that all the mushy compliments that she said to him also apply to me. She didn't write those love letters to me. In fact, I don't think she's ever written a love letter to me. Anyway, the new covenant replaced the old covenant. We're tempted to see Jesus as an and between the old covenant and the new covenant. But Jesus is not an and. Jesus is an instead of. 
the new covenant instead of the old covenant. If you look back at history, every time the church was at its worst was a result of someone trying to apply the old covenant to the church. The Crusades, they were justified with Old Testament passages that told the Israelites to kill entire civilizations. But you can't read the new covenant and justify the Crusades. The same is true about slavery and many other wars. It makes sense that God would tell the Jews in the Old Covenant to kill entire civilizations because the Old Covenant was written to a nation, not to a world. The New Covenant was written to the world. And what about legalism? This idea that salvation comes from doing good things. It can only be justified by looking at the list of rules in the Old Covenant. When you see it in the church, it's usually imported from biblical passages written at a time when the Israelites were commanded to follow a bunch of rules to stay in relationship with God. And the people who followed those rules better than the other people usually built up a tremendous amount of self-righteousness and pride because they were better than everybody else. They obeyed more than everyone else. Or what about this prosperity gospel stuff? That's the idea that God wants us all to be financially wealthy with private jets like the TV preachers. It's all rooted in God's covenant with Israel, not the teachings of Jesus. That doesn't mean that the old covenant was was bad. It just wasn't as good. It was different, and it was never meant to be applied to the church. God's covenant with Israel was always meant to be temporary. It was set up to prepare the world for Jesus. And if the whole purpose of the Old Covenant was to prepare us for Jesus, then why would we still apply it? Its purpose has been fulfilled. Jesus came. Okay, that's Hebrews chapter 8. Next week, we'll do Hebrews 9 and 10. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person that he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On The Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, Hebrews 8.1 says, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. What does this say about what Jesus accomplished on the cross and what God the Father thinks about his sacrifice? Number two, Hebrews 8.6 says, Jesus is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. How are Jews saved? Is there any value in observing and obeying the old law, the Jewish covenant? Number three, the fact that the new covenant replaced, Hebrews 8, 7, the Old Testament, doesn't mean that the Old Testament isn't valuable, but it does mean that it's not applicable to our lives. When you read the Old Testament, are you tempted to try to apply its instructions to your life? Number four, The Old Covenant was never meant to be applied to the church. It was meant to prepare the world for Jesus. What dangers do you see in continuing to abide by the Old Testament law even though its purpose was fulfilled when Jesus came? Number five, if you have time, read Exodus 20, one through 17. How many of the 10 commandments apply even to those of us who live under the new covenant? Number six, 